Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Once again, big thanks to uh, Jeff Essink of uh, Farrell's Extreme Body Shaping, spending some time with us, getting you set for the next 10-week challenge. Again, that starts soon. Go to the Ticket's website, Farrell's Extreme Body Shaping website, to get signed up. Uh, again, big thanks to Jeff for that. You hear him and Nicole then again on Sunday, 9 to 11, right here on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. All right, the final fours taking place uh, over the weekend. You have the women's final four tipping off tonight. Uh, LSU and Virginia Tech followed by South Carolina and Iowa. That championship game will be on Sunday. The men's final four is where we'll start taking place in Houston. Houston doesn't make it. That's right. The Houston Cougars coached by Kelvin Sampson do not make it to the final four in their own home city. Who does out of that region? None other than Miami. Let's start with that Miami-UConn game, Strick. Miami, to me, had the toughest path of anyone. Now, obviously, every region's going to be hard. There's not really an easy path to the Final Four, but Miami played Drake, who finished second in the Missouri Valley, won that conference tournament in dominating fashion over Bradley. Uh, Then they beat Indiana, really solid team with a, a matchup nightmare for them in Trace Jackson Davis. They take down Houston, who was fighting to get to the Final Four in their home city, the most balanced team in the country all year. Their reward for beating Houston, Texas, your pick to win it all, a balanced veteran team taken down by Miami, despite Miami being down. They find a way to make the comeback and advance to the final four. Starting with Miami, again, we've harped on it time and time again. It's guard play, but it's also an underrated coach in Jim Laraniega and everything that he's done to guide them through, and again, for my money, the most difficult path to the final four of any of the four teams. Yeah, and listen, <clears throat> Isaiah Wong stepped up. He's been their leader all year. He stepped up huge for them when they needed him to do so um, <clears throat> in the uh, Elite Eight game. And uh, great leadership out of Nigel Pack, too. I mean, that, Nigel Pack, obviously, the one that most people are very uh, uh, have have uh, uh, have knowledge of because of the, the deal that he landed as far as an NIL uh, deal. But, you know, he just gets them into everything. And Nigel Pack gets them started. But here's the here's the killer part of it. They have five players that are averaging over a steal a game. Mm hmm. So their their defensive squad is phenomenal as far as attacking you on the defensive side of things. Uh, or Meyer is a huge walking double double, uh, thirteen a game, ten rebounds, uh, and then and then a, and then uh, one point two blocks a game on top of one point two steals. So they're not a team that turns the ball over. They do very well in in taking care of the ball. They all shoot the ball fairly well. And then they shoot free throws. So they've just got a great compilation. Their threes are, are are solid, too, at 37%. They just have a great, you know, just solid team across the board. But it's their defensive prowess that really just uh, – they stay after you. They're long, they're active, and they hit the offensive glass and do all of those things to make it tough for you at the end of the night. And so by the time you think you have a chance to win the game, they didn't wore you down. So that's that's what they're looking to do in this game. Maybe not a, a perfect comparison, but I see a lot of similarities between Miami and Bellevue West. The way they want to play fast, they're going to be in passing lanes, they're going to be aggressive. 
some drive and kick, but a lot of spot up shooters. Is that a fair comparison? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's it. It's, it's, it's just wear you down. I mean, they're, they're deep, they're deep too. They're not afraid to go into their, uh, onto their bench a little bit and dig in there and see, see if anybody can step up for a night or two. Um, uh, if things aren't going well, they're, they're not afraid to, to look down there and see if somebody else can fill the void for, for uh, a moment of time, give some sparing minutes for them. So, yeah, I mean, but they do, they do kind of look that, that way. They're going to get out in the break. They're going to get in the passing lanes. They're going to try to steal balls and they're going to try to fast break you and run you to death. And they've got multiple guys that can do that, that can handle the ball. Who's the most important player for Miami in this game against UConn? And should they win then the rest of the weekend? Um, I, I think it's going to be Nigel Pack. I think, I think Nigel Pack, um, you know, with him just being solid, continuing to take care of the ball, continuing to make sure they get into the right stuff. Uh, he's their best free throw shooter. Um, but, but the guys that handled the ball most for them, for the most part, are, are their best free throw shooters and their whole starting five on average shoot over 80%. So you can't foul them. But they're an attacking team, so that's where they're they're gonna they're gonna win the game for you. But uh, Nigel Pack, I think getting them just into their stuff, making sure they're all solid and calm down. This is gonna be um, an exciting moment for them. You know that they haven't gone this deep, and and being that it's a first, hopefully he'll be able to kind of help settle the nerves. The guy for me for Miami Strick is Wuga Poplar. He's under the radar, a little quieter. He was banged up a little bit. But to me, he's their best on-ball defender. You mentioned a lot of steals are going to be in passing lanes. But if you need someone to, to sit down in front of one of UConn's guards, to me, it's going to be Wuga Poplar. And he's not going to have a, a dominant showing. But if he can be in the way enough, if he can be pesky enough and then hit open threes, which he's done this season at a 39% rate, to me, he can swing that game, not by being a star, not by having the ball in his hands a lot, but by maximizing what he does uh, with the ball, spotted up probably in the corner, maybe above the break a couple times for Miami. Because to me, if he can slow down you know, Tristan Newton just enough, that could go a long way for Miami. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's only a sophomore. He's 6'5". Uh, he's strong, good body. Um, his numbers have increased from the time that he was a freshman up until now, especially at the three-point shooting uh, position. But it's because he's taking better shots. Wuga is just going to be a guy that if you kind of just you, – you, you, you think, you know, you kind of look over him or not looking at him or he's not a part of your, your game plan, he can, he can rattle off about four or five of them on you and he'll be the one that will be uh, the downfall of your night. The flip side of this matchup then is UConn, the most dominant team in this tournament so far. They won their first round game by 24 points. They won by 15 against St. Mary's in a 4-5. They get Arkansas in the Sweet 16, win that one by 23, and then lay the wood on Gonzaga. They beat the Bulldogs by 28 points, 82-54. to UConn looks like a wagon right now. They look like the most well-rounded team left in these in these four teams. Yes, they are. And, and the other part of it, this is why um, this is going to be probably one of the best matchups of the night. And the reason being is that UConn is super deep. They play about nine players. They play about nine players. 
and all nine have played, you know, pretty good minutes for this team. And it and it depends on how they're going, right? Um, but obviously, a lot of this runs through Sonogo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he is the block shock guy for them, the guy that holds it down in the middle. Um, they all rebound, so it's not like Sonogo has to be the guy that gets it done. He's only he's averaging only eight rebounds. He's not a double double guy for the most part, but he can be mm-hmm. on a given night. But everybody on this team rebounds. They do it collectively. Almost everybody has four to five rebounds a game on this team. So they're going to be a team that's going to be uh, one that if you're missing shots, they're going to be tough to beat because they're going to secure rebounds and they're going to go down and execute. And a lot of that's going to run through Sonogo. It sure is. This is a perfect styles make fights type of matchup. Miami plays through its guards. UConn has good guards, has good wings, but they're huge across the board. Miami has pretty good positional size, but Sonogo at 6'9", 6'10", 240 is a load. Donovan Klingon coming off the bench at 7'2", 270, he's a load. Andre Jackson on the wing. Hawkins and Newton are Mm -hmm. both 6'5". Caravan, a freshman, has played a really good role for them at 6'8". So even though UConn is the taller, probably the, the bulkier team, they run too, right? They don't run their offense through Sonogo and Clinton. Yeah. They have the guards and the wings yeah. to run with Miami, which is where if Miami's able to, you know, draw Sonogo and Klingon away from the basket with Omir and knock down threes, I think that favors them. But if Miami's cold, I think that'll be because of UConn's length and ability to clear that defensive glass like they've done all year. And 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 so what you've got to look at also with 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 both of these teams, you've got you you really have a good understanding as to why they went deep. Mm-hmm. They've got all got solid good guard play. They all uh, defend very well. They are pretty deep on both sides of the ball. They shoot excellent free throws. So when the game matters or when the game's trying to you're trying to get back into it because you you saw listen Texas had that game. Had it. Texas was was actually they had it they had it and 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 it was because of the free throws the continual attack and the steadiness of them being able to do all those things not great but well now you can see why both of these teams have gone through and got as far as they've gotten to include shooting pretty good no not, none of it's great pretty good from three thirty six percent. You know, from the, you know, Sonogo shooting sixty percent from the field, but they all are attacking, rebound, pushing, probing, and getting great shots and making and being willing to make the extra power, uh, the, the the extra pass to share. And you can you can understand that kind of basketball is winning basketball in college basketball today. All right, time to make your pick of the first semifinal. Are you taking the Canes? Are you taking the Huskies? Um, to me, uh, UConn has been there before. UConn has that kind of pedigree. Um, but I, I, I'm going to, I'm actually going to go with the the hurricanes because I think when it comes down to having somebody, uh, at those positions that can literally take over Wong can do that as well as uh, Nigel pack at any given time. And so that in that alone, is going to be why I'm going to go with them. 
I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with UConn. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the styles are similar but different enough. Both teams will have their runs, will have their moments. I like the experience of UConn, and I like their defensive anchors in Sonogo and in Klingon who can absorb some of those drives without fouling. So we're opposite on that one. Let's flip sides of the bracket, talk San Diego State and Florida Atlantic. Let's start with the Aztecs. They go 30-2 and two in 2020 in line for a top two seed before that tournament gets canceled. Fine year last year, get a five seed this year, win the four-bid Mountain West Conference. Their path was fascinating. First round, uh, they survive Charleston. They get Furman in the second round. And then they knock off the number one overall seed in Alabama to uh, reach the Elite Eight. They take Creighton's best shot, but controlled that game in the style of play. They played a San Diego State type of game in winning it by a single point. And here they are in the Final Four for the first time in school history. What stands out to you about the Aztecs? Uh, Just their grittiness. Their grittiness, their grind, their willingness to never give up. They don't ever feel that they're out of a game. Uh, They're tough. They're hard-nosed. But what I also like about them is that no one believes. And that's what I like about this side of the matchup. Mm -hmm. This is going to be somebody from this side of the matchup. It it reminds me of going back to when Butler used to get in. Remember when Butler went back-to-back? Yeah, Butler beat BCU. freaking came Mm -hmm. up so far. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm saying I'm, I'm rooting for this side of the bracket because I don't care what you say. 35 and three, I don't care what conference you're in. That is a phenomenal record. And, and, and I think it's overlooked. This is a very confident team. They believe in themselves. They're dangerous. Their biggest strength as well is their depth, where they go nine players deep, averaging 15 minutes per game. So I just I, – I really like this side of the bracket. I like the Aztecs. I love the fact that Aguac, Arope, and, and a lot of those guys are just they, – they, they're just unified. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The Aztecs are holding their opponents. This is where they're unified collectively as a whole. They do everything together. 57.3 points per game on 17%, 17% shooting from three. So there's no easy shots that come in the Aztecs building or anywhere when they show up. So that's what I love about this game. I think it's going to be tough for Florida Atlantic because of the way that the Aztecs get after you defensively. Um, they held Creighton and Alabama both went combined five for 44 from three. That is the lowest ever in regional in a regional weekend by a team that has reached the final four. So I love that aspect about this. I love the fact that two teams like this are going to have an opportunity to play for the on the biggest stage. And I hope that one of them wins. It's hard for me to to call San Diego State a Cinderella because that's a fantastic program that's been in the NCAA tournament before, has a winning pedigree. But it's hard for me to call Florida Atlantic a Cinderella as well with 35 wins, dominating the way they did throughout the Conference USA season. Haven't been to the NCAA tournament no, for nearly this long in school history. They've played a lot of close games. And the reason I give FAU at least a chance against uh, San Diego State is because they saw, again, one of the nation's best defenses in Tennessee took it on the mouth in the first half, only scored 22 points. 
regrouped, readjusted at halftime, dropped 40 in the second half against Tennessee to win that game by multiple possessions. If they were seeing a defense like this for the first time in the Final Four, I might be worried. But Strick, I don't think they're going to be surprised by what they see, the speed of the game and the physical nature from San Diego State because they played Tennessee to get here. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Tennessee is like that. They're, they're all of that. But they didn't bow. They didn't cow, kowtow to them. They didn't weep or shudder. They, in any form or fashion, they were like, hey, what's up? We here. Mm-hmm. What you what you going to do? Because we we're going to give you everything we got. And I love that heart about them. But again, the Aztecs feel the same way. They both feel like they've been slighted a little bit. They both feel that people are saying that the other side is really the championship. They're hearing all that noise. And I think they both feel that once they break through this one, that they feel that they can take it, uh, the next one on the chin and they can stand toe-to-toe in the middle of the ring, not backing up, not giving an inch. And they both feel that we'll be able to give them the best run for their money. All right, you have Miami winning the first half of the Final Four. Who do you have facing Miami in the national championship game on Monday? I'm going to be honest with you. I am a super, super underdog dude just because I was one of them. And so I'm just going to, on the underdog love of it all, I want to see something. I want to see something special. And I'm I'm going to go with FAU. I love it. If Florida Atlantic... Uh, does end up winning, getting to the national championship game, should they do the unthinkable and and win twice more this season, it would be a clean sweep of men's postseason tournaments for Conference USA. Charlotte won the uh, the CBI, uh, the CIT. North Texas took home the NIT. Uh, Did lose their coach to Texas Tech afterwards, but an NIT championship, nothing to scoff at. And now they have a team in the Final Four in FAU. I got to flip it, though. I think San Diego State has been... That team all year, they're experienced, they're deep. I think Brian Dutcher is a good coach. And one of my favorite under-the-radar players in the country is Matt Bradley. Put up numbers uh, at Cal, transferred to San Diego State, has been that dude for them. I'll go with the big boys. Give me UConn, give me San Diego State. In a national championship game that probably ends in the, the low 60s, if we're lucky, because both those teams can get after it defensively. If we get Miami FAU like you're rooting for, that's a game I think we see in the 80s, and that would be a whole lot of fun. Oh, man. It's going to be – I'm excited about this weekend. And actually, I'm so glad that I'm going to uh, finally be home to see it mm. and uh, witness it. You know, I'm excited about it. Absolutely. Uh, so you have Miami FAU. I have UConn and San Diego State advancing. Those are our final four picks. We will uh, we'll give you our national championship predictions on Monday. That'll be a big part of that show. Recap the college basketball season, how we got there, break down that national championship game. Again, that'll be on Monday from 2 to 4 here on the block. We're running out of time. We have the old school crew in the building. Jay Foreman waiting patiently next door. Let's bring him in for the crossover, get old school started off with the crossover with on the block after this. 